This is Family Office Intel at Denton's, the place where we discuss developments currently shaping the industry and actionable ideas for advisors, executives, and families. We share uncommon knowledge from insiders for the modern family office. I'm Edward Marshall, Global Head of Family Office here at the firm. The following is a conversation with Kevin Hilbert. Kevin is a senior advisor at Denton's, focusing on security issues for corporations, business owners, and family offices. He's a former senior executive at the Central Intelligence Agency with a distinguished career serving abroad in various locations. Kevin is a fluent Spanish speaker and a graduate of Northern Michigan University and has an MBA from Georgetown University. Our discussion today will include several items, including risk and threat landscape for family offices, uh, why family offices face different threats and make attractive targets for criminals and other bad actors, and how family offices can better prepare against a variety of threats that they face. So let's get started. So, uh, Kevin, you know, there are a variety of risks and threats that family offices face, uh, you know, wide ranging from, you know, disclosure of personal information, business disruption, cyber, threat of IP, just to name a few. In your opinion, what are the top three areas that family offices face in risk and why is that? Uh, Eddie, good morning. Certainly cyber falls pretty high on that list. In fact, you might just say cyber, cyber, and cyber are the top three because when you talk about the other things you mentioned, disclosure of personal information, business disruption, uh, theft of intellectual property, et cetera, a lot of those go right back to cyber threats. You know, people are mostly worried, it seems, uh, about physical threat, but uh, physical threats probably way down there, actually, and things you really, really need to worry about. But cyber certainly has the potential to ruin your day and disrupt your business and uh, uh, ruin your business, too, if your intellectual property is stolen or whatever. Between business email compromise scams and, and ransomware and things like that, the threat out there is very real on cyber and it's, and it's growing, clearly. In terms of the corporate security industry, you know, it's, it's quite large and there, there's certainly a lot of experts that are out there. Uh, even so, you know, there, there seems to still today be a disconnect between the service providers that provide that type of service uh, around security and family offices. I mean, on one hand, family offices feel like the vendors don't understand them or it's really hard to find the right kind of provider. And then the vendors and, and service providers feel like that it's challenging uh, to service and understand this segment. Why is that? And is there any way to fix this? Well, that's a good point. I mean, the, the problem is that most of the vendors are geared towards taking on clients that, that are that are big companies, whether it's Facebook or General Motors or or medium sized companies, or whatever. And they're not that they're not really geared towards looking at family offices and high net worth individuals and, and those kind of things. So their offerings are generally targeted towards big companies with a lot of employees that are that are doing the corporate thing and family offices provide a whole nother set of of, of challenges and then things that uh, companies should be looking at so that's the disconnect but i think there are people out there who can help uh your family offices and your high net worth individuals to to uh, uh move along Family offices in particular, why do they make such attractive targets for cyber criminals? Well, because they're big enough to be interesting to criminals and they've got money and and things. And yet they're small enough that they don't generally have the resources that a mid-sized company would have to protect themselves. And so they, they sort of fall into the sweet spot as it were of companies that are big enough to be interesting and, uh, 
and yet they they're not uh, big enough to have you know an in-house IT guy, an in-house general counsel, et cetera, et cetera. And so, oftentimes they they fall through the cracks on having a lot of the security uh, uh, techniques, tactics, and protocols in place that a bigger company would have in the family office is just kind of winging it as it were. They're just kind of, uh, uh going along without these, uh, processes and structures in place. And so they're vulnerable. So that's why they're an attractive target. Do you ever see with the family offices that you work with that there's a prioritization of, you know, convenience, uh, over security and getting things done? Sure. I mean, that's a big, that's a big piece of it too. And then frankly, you've got the issue that is if no one's ever been victim of a cyber attack or something like that, they don't want to plan in advance for it and spend resources and that kind of stuff. It's like the, the problem that exterminators have. I mean, no one will pay an exterminator money to rat proof their house, for example. But the first time your wife sees a rat running across the kitchen floor or worse yet, running across the floor of her daughter's bedroom, they'll pay anything to get rid of the rats, uh, $10,000, whatever. But if you went to them three weeks in advance of that and said, you know, for $500, we can make sure you don't have rats in the house. No one will be interested. So you've got that issue there. Everyone, will, Everyone's reactive when they should be a lot more proactive. Wanting hurricane insurance after the hurricane. Exactly. Any way to fix that? Any way to, to kind of change I mean, mindsets? Yeah, the way to fix it, I think, is, is education and for people to be aware of the threats they're facing and, and some easy fixes that can be done on cybersecurity and otherwise. I mean, and a lot of people, frankly, a lot of people, frankly, are very confused and, uh, and frustrated with cybersecurity. And as an industry, in many ways, it's a failed industry because things just keep getting worse. There's a lot of companies in that space that do a little bit, but they don't give you a holistic uh, solution to the issues. And so, you know, people get frustrated because you deal with one company that says, well, listen, all we do is remediation. And another company says, well, we'll do education. We can do like phishing tests. And another company says, we'll do penetration testing of your network. And another company says this and that. And then nobody seems to give them a good holistic solution that will keep them and their families and their family offices safe. The other thing I, I overlooked maybe in big threats that I should have mentioned was uh, the children. Let's face it. The reality is that most people don't know what their kids are doing on the internet. And uh, that's a big issue. And I see it time and time again, because if you've got, you know, 13, 15, 17 year old kids, nobody knows what they're doing on the internet and they're doing stuff that, that make you vulnerable. And that's a big issue, educating the kids and understanding what they're doing online and helping them to be thoughtful about things like that and, and not get the uh, not get the family in, in into different situations they'd rather not be in. 2020 was certainly a year that we all of us thought about family offices in particular had had highlighted to them around the need to plan for business disruption. You had a lot of family offices that went that were nearly 100% on site with people working in an office to, you know, basically 100% remote working. You know, we we did a study and, and Kevin, you helped out with that one, and in that, you know, 5% of the people surveyed said that that was a threat 
uh, that's out there. I know you've talked about that as a, as a potential vulnerability. What, what is, what's the future have to hold for these family offices that are going to be either working in a hybrid or, or more of a remote uh, working environment in the future? Yeah, the current situation does present uh, new challenges, no, because if you're running an office and people are going to the office, you control the environment, you control the physical security of the office, you control the, the computer they're logging on with, all that kind of stuff. Now, all of a sudden, we've had a complete paradigm shift. No one's going to the office. And so the physical security of where the devices are located is, you know, completely out there in the wind. And then also everyone is using their own handheld devices that the, the company has no control over. And so you've got a host of, uh, of, of different uh, devices that are accessing your internet and that kind of stuff. So that presents a lot of uh, issues. You've got to protect those devices and make sure those are being safe. Those are, those are safe from uh, uh, hacking and physical threat and et cetera. So yeah, a lot of different issues out there. What about the human element? It's, you know, our conversations and, and certainly the study that we did show that, you know, 80% of family offices failed to have any kind of a insider threat or monitoring program, you know, that went beyond just a basic check in the beginning. You know, given your experience in the government and with corporations and around insider threat, what problems do you see potentially here and, and how can family offices do better on this front? Yeah, that's a that's a huge issue and something that's frequently overlooked by family offices. I'm always stunned when I'm talking to high net worth people and they literally have people working in their house that they don't even know their full name. Uh, so that's that's a vulnerability. I mean, people who are have unrestricted access to your house, people who are in your office have access to your personal information, et cetera, they should certainly be vetted and you should know exactly who's in your house and what their background is. So background checks are kind of a prerequisite. I mean, when I ask people, you know, would you want somebody working in your house who's, who's got a criminal record? And everyone says, well, of course not. No. But then on the other hand, many, many people do nothing to be able to ascertain in advance if that's the case or not. So, they should do that kind of background check stuff. And especially for executive hires too. I mean, we've been involved in situations where we've advised companies in advance, thankfully that, yeah, I wouldn't hire that person for the following reasons. And I think it saves the, the individual, the company, just an incredible amount of uh, trouble by uh, warning them in advance of people. And then the other thing that companies do, and I see this from big companies to small companies is they never look at their employees once they're on board. I was working with a big Fortune 500 company on an, on an issue where they had, you know, four guys who were involved in probably running a criminal enterprise and from the inside of the company. And it was very problematic. And I asked, you know, have you done a background investigation on these guys? Have you looked at these guys? And they proudly answered me, oh, yes, we have, of course. Uh, and I said, when was that? And it was about 15 years prior because all these guys had been on board with the company for about between 12 and 18 years. And so that's a problem too. If you never look at people, um, you know, at the agency, uh, the CIA where I used to work, those guys are exceptionally good at hiring the right people because they know to get the wrong person on board 
it would be very problematic. It could be a disaster, international incident on the front page of the paper, et cetera. So they go to enormous lengths on the front end to make sure they get the right person. Uh, they do psychometric testing, make sure that person, you know, is somebody that's going to have, uh, 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 the ability to work together in teams, loyalty to the organization, honesty, integrity, et cetera, that kind of stuff. But then they monitor continuously. And then as you move up the chain, if you're going to make flag rank or something, they look at you again and they say, look at this guy again. Let's make sure he doesn't have any uh, HR issues. Make sure he's not declared bankruptcy, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so it's a constant state of evaluation. Private companies probably don't have the wherewithal to do that sort of intrusive stuff, but there ought to be some middle ground between doing nothing and, uh, and turning the place into the CIA, I think. What about diligence around investments or contracts or other business matters that family offices end up doing? Have you seen where things can potentially go awry there and some best practice ideas around that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and again, family offices often fall through the cracks of not having the structures that other midsize and bigger offices would have in place like a board of directors, a board of advisors, a general counsel, somebody to vet their investments, somebody to vet their foreign partners, that kind of stuff. So we, we see that all the time. I know a high net worth uh, person who lost tens of millions of dollars because they were basically tricked by their financial advisor and some other bad actors into investing in these companies that were really a scam and, uh, and the problem is she was very trusting and she did no vetting of these, uh, these people or their investments. Whereas if they had, you know, hired somebody like us, we would have seen through it in, you know, in a day and given them a report back that said, do not invest in this, do not do this. That's fraudulent, et cetera. So big companies, for example, I do a lot of work for fortune 500 company that operates in about 70 different countries. And as a matter of course, everyone they're doing business with overseas, they say, let's let's do a due diligence report on them, get a background investigation, make sure these guys are legitimate, make sure we don't have Foreign Corrupt Practices Act issues, make sure they're not involved in this massive litigation that's going to come back and, and haunt us, make sure they don't have uh, money laundering issues, UK bribery index, make sure they're not sanctioned in the U.S., or in the UK or by the EU, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you can step through all that stuff and go back and give the, uh, give the company a pretty clean bill of health and say, these guys are legitimate. Uh, they're well thought of. There's no adverse press out there. They're not sanctioned. They're not involved in criminal activity and that kind of stuff. And I think that's a bare minimum that you want if you're investing or partnering with companies, especially overseas, but even domestically too. Uh, and if you don't do if you don't do stuff like that, then you're whistling past the graveyard. You are going to have trouble at one point in time. So, in terms of privacy, I mean, you know, privacy of and control of, you know, one's data, electronic data, is an active conversation for most people, and and certainly around family offices. And it's you know, privacy is one of those areas that is not just limited to digital information, but how. Have you seen family offices protect their privacy in an effective manner across all the different uh, domains that are out there? Well, it's always a challenge. No, I mean, a lot of 
a lot of the things is lack of knowledge. I mean, family offices need their employees, their children. They need to have good policies on on social media use, and uh, and then they need to have their settings, their privacy settings set high. Uh, you know, and then you need to watch the children, as I said earlier too. I mean, like I said earlier, children are a big exposure. I mean, most people don't know, for example, that when you post a picture on Instagram or Facebook or something like that, the pictures generally have metadata in them that can tell the exact location of where that picture is. And so uh, bad actors can look at the photos that your kid posted of your family vacation in the Rockies and know that your house is exactly in this, you know, gated community in Telluride, Colorado or wherever, in the exact location of it. And that's probably information that, if given the choice, you'd rather not have out there uh, for everybody to see. So there's all sorts of stuff like that. There's, there's been, and people really have to watch what they're doing on social media. There's case after case of people who've been specifically targeted because of things they post on social media. Kim Kardashian was robbed at gunpoint by, by criminals in Paris. And it's because she specifically posted pictures of her jewelry and things that she was going to take to Paris. And, you know, people saw that online and said, she's going to be a great, uh, great target for us to rob. Other people are, their their homes are robbed because the bad guys know they're away on vacation for a week and there's no one in the home. Uh, there was a young girl who was kidnapped and ultimately killed in Europe because uh, she was the daughter of a wealthy German industrialist, and she used to post on uh, social media about, media about how she liked to always walk the dog in the neighborhood uh, after dinner, and uh, bad guys thought that would create a great opportunity to kidnap her, and they did, and, uh, you know, it was a, a terribly amateurish operation, and, and the young gal wound up getting killed. So social media is a huge risk to people if they don't pay attention to it. In terms of international travel, not not so much a factor in 2020, uh, but probably uh, coming back to reality uh, in 21 and, and beyond. You know, what are your recommendations uh, to family offices, whether it's the executives or the principals, when they're uh, to stay safe when they're traveling overseas? Yeah, I think the biggest thing they need to think about, in addition to physical security, is uh, is health. And that's certainly why nobody's traveling now or health concerns. But it's surprising how many people will get on a plane and travel to Guatemala or to wherever. And, you know, does their health insurance work in Guatemala? Is there good health care in Guatemala? Will they be able to get out of there if they need to? And, you know, I don't mean to... To speak negatively about Guatemala, I mean, fill in the blank for any country, basically. I mean, does your health insurance work there? Do you have air ambulance services? You can buy coverage, for example, on uh, for air ambulance type stuff that will exfil you back to your uh, uh, place of your choosing for really cheap. And uh, that's great uh, insurance to have so that you can get out of someplace. They'll send a private jet, pick you up and take you back to your uh your normal, your normal healthcare provider in New York or wherever. Uh, so health concerns are the biggest thing. Physical, physical security is always an issue, and it depends when you're go, where you're going. 
uh, physical threat, a lot of people think about and worry about. People really need to probably focus more on health threats and how they're going to manage their health care, especially as, as we age. To kind of wrap things up, we talked about a lot of different domains in terms of risks and threats that are out there. If you had two or three recommendations that family office should, should consider when they build out their risk and threat management programs, what would they be? Well, they should do an assessment and figure out where they are and where they're vulnerable. I mean, cyber is certainly an area that can ruin your life. Like I said, everything from from uh, disruption of business to loss of personal information to a lot of the other stuff we talked about goes back to cyber and being able to protect your information. And so that gets into realms of, you know, what do we put online and should we put it in online? Companies need to kind of companies and individuals and, and family offices really need to think about, you know, what are we trying to protect exactly? And if this is key intellectual property, should we really post it online? Should we really be sending it around in emails? I tell people jokingly that if, if you're Kentucky fried chicken and your entire business model rests on the fact that you've got a secret recipe with 13 herbs and spices, uh, I would not put that online. I would not, you know, send it by email to your new franchises. I, you know, take steps to make sure that never gets out because that would ruin your your entire business model. So they need to do some reflection and identification of what it is you're trying to keep safe. And then how can they keep it safe? How can they, you know, manage their, their hardware and their software to keep it safe? They should have programs and policies and procedures in place with their employees, vet their employees, know who's working for them, uh, have social media policies, make sure their employees are not posting stuff online that makes them vulnerable. And, and, and it's a whole host of things. It's really holistic. And then you've got to educate people too, because that's the biggest, one of the biggest shortcomings I see in corporate America and in family offices is that, you have people who get into bad situations, frankly, because they don't know any better. Um, one of the funner jobs I had at the agency was when I was working in a unit that tried to break into very carefully guarded cybersecurity networks around the world, whether that's the, you know, office of some rogue president in some rogue country somewhere or or some military complex or whatever else. And we were pretty successful. We were pretty good at it. And they, these weren't black bag, black bag jobs where we were sneaking in the middle of the night and getting in somebody's computer. Almost always we could get access to computer systems because somebody would do something stupid. Somebody would click on a phishing attack and that would essentially give us access to their entire system. Or we, you know, throw a couple thumb drives on the floor and somebody would pick one up and say, yeah, thumb drive and plug it in. And that would give us access to the entire system, that kind of stuff. So you can't overlook the education component. If people don't know something is risky, they'll do it. If you educate them and, and about the, the perils of doing certain things, your company is going to be a lot safer. It goes to the adage uh, that we've talked about that someone in your organization will click on absolutely anything that you send to them in an email. So there's some good yeah. preventative tips. And especially as you get bigger, you know, we, uh, uh, if you're a small company with six people, you can probably keep everyone in line. When it turns into 60 people, it just becomes a percentage thing. And, you know, if only 
five percent of the people fall for it, that's that's three people out of sixty, and all of a sudden you you've got problems. And this is very asymmetrical war. I mean, you've got big companies in the United States with a ton of resources that are being taken advantage of and defeated by you know three guys sitting in a, in a room and uh, you know trying to uh, compromise the integrity of their system. So it's very asymmetrical. The bad guys only have to get lucky once. And they have to stay well 100% of the time. Right. Well, listen, uh, Kevin. Thanks for thanks for joining, and, and thanks to all of you for listening today. If you'd like to get in touch uh, with Kevin or have any questions, do send us an email to familyoffice@dentons.com. If you enjoyed today's conversation or some Clyde, subscribe to the channel, review us on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, or keep in touch with us wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. As always, sharing this episode is very much appreciated and probably the best way you can show your support. To sign up for our, our newsletters and learn more about our solutions and research in the family office space, check out our website. It's dentons.com forward slash family office. Well, that's it. Uh, bye, everyone. Thank you.